Who cares what you're playing, as long as it's fun to play? I hate gatekeepers, and we see the behaviour all over the place. So let's talk a little bit about gatekeeping, and why it's all nonsense. This is the Waffling Tailor's Roll with Jay, a series of shorter episodes of indefinite length. These episodes will cover shorter topics which don't really fit within the scope of the show, or topics that I want to cover in my own way. Uh, That's not to say that we won't cover these topics in the main show, but I'd like to take a whack at them here first. Anyway, let's get to it. Gatekeeping Have you ever been mid-conversation with someone about some new thing, say a game, or an album, or a book, or a movie, or whatever, and they turn to you and say, You're not a real fan unless you... And they always emphasise the real bit, as if they're actually trying to disprove their own point whilst they're doing it. If so, they're attempting to dismiss your newfound enthusiasm by claiming that you don't qualify as a real fan of whatever it is. Hopefully you can hear the bunny quotes around the word real there. Well, guess what? You are a real whatever. But you don't need me to tell you about that. I remember being told by someone that I wasn't a real Star Wars fan because I hadn't read any of the, at the time, extended universe books. They've since been renamed The Legends or something. I I don't know. I retorted to that person with, Whatever, dude. All I know is that I really like Empire Strikes Back and the story of the original trilogy. While you're complaining about me not being a real fan, whatever that is, I'm going to be over here and I'm going to eat some cookies. Best of luck to you, my friend. Maybe I'm a little bit more level-headed when it comes to gatekeepers, or maybe I was just really hungry for cookies. The real answer has been lost to the ages. Exclusionism. As a supportive community... Somewhere along the way, we've gotten lost. I can remember a time when I was bullied at school for playing video games. I can also remember the gamers at the school banding together for support and swapping tips and techniques for beating whatever boss you were stuck on. Over time, it became more acceptable to spend some of our free time at play in virtual worlds. But somewhere along the way, parts of the communities we've started have turned on us. You're not a real gamer unless you... I hate that phrase. One of the ways that I deal with criticism, constructive or not, is to deconstruct what's been said, so that I can apply something from it. So let's do that. First, this sentence is the opinion of the speaker. They are telling you that, in their opinion, they don't think that you are whatever, 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 whatever. Here's the great thing about opinions. We've all got one. And here's the bad thing about opinions. We've all got one. There's a comment here about opinions being like butts, in that we've all got one and they all stink from time to time, but I won't make that comment. Because it's an opinion, what they're saying can never actually be fact, meaning that they've immediately debunked whatever they've said and whatever they're about to say. Next, what does real actually mean? I'll bet that if you asked them what it meant, they wouldn't be able to tell you what real 
augment without referring to themselves. And that should tell you everything you need to know about what they've just said. I agree that gatekeeping is a form of bullying and exclusionism, and we need to stamp it out. The problem is, though, I don't have any advice to give for dealing with this other than call them out and move on. And I know for a fact that is way easier for me to say in my little recording studio than it is for anyone to do in real life. Lost hardware. I opined earlier on about how we've become lost as a community. See, everyone has opinions. Also, mine suck. We've lost our supportive spirit, and I think I know how. Back when we were kids, some of us had video games consoles. What we might not have fully appreciated at the time was that they were very expensive. Let's use the Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis as an example. According to IGN, check the show notes for a link to the source for this, when adjusted for inflation to 2020 levels, the Sega Mega Drive, or Genesis, launched at a price of $394.26 US. That's excluding tax. And it came with a version of Alter Beast, with the majority of all of the separate games costing around $40 to $50 US, which in 2020 money is around $70 to $90. So it was only natural that the majority of working parents who could afford one would only buy one console for their children. And because we only had access to one console, we would naturally claim brand loyalty. Well, my Sega has Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah? Well, my SNES has The Legend of Zelda. And so the arguments went. Back then, we would trade games with friends who had the same console, and would likely form cliques around the consoles that we had. I remember trading our Mega Drive and games for a friend's SNES and games for a whole week. The reason we came up with was that we could get a good idea as to whether our console was better than their console. They were both equally as good. Though I always thought that Mortal Kombat was better on the Mega Drive, but that was only because it wasn't censored. Here's why the my console's better than your console argument no longer actually works. 1. Most of us are in a position where we can afford, within limits, multiple consoles should we want them all. 2. Who cares if one console has a higher flops count, that's floating point operations per second, than any of the other consoles? Cross-platform games are built with the same tools targeting the weakest system first. So the code is exactly the same. We'll come on to that in a moment. And three, almost all consoles are built on PC architecture, using the same components as PCs, and the same components as the other consoles. Meaning that the consoles in the same generation are almost identical. We'll leave Nintendo out of this last point, only because they don't tend to push the hardware to its limit. Rather, they choose to innovate with the hardware that they already have. But the other points are still just as valid. With these points in mind, it's pretty simple to see why it doesn't really matter which console or consoles you choose to own, because they're all practically the same anyway. Oh, and uh, most games dev companies don't actually have separate teams working on different console versions of the same game. FIFA for the PlayStation 5 has the same dev team as FIFA for the Xbox Series X, for instance. There's usually one team that works on the engine, and one team that works on the gameplay. And porting the game from one machine to another within the same generation is usually a case of checking a box in the tool that is used to build it. They're largely all built from the same source code 
so they are largely the same. Uh, That's for consoles across the same generation. This wasn't true in the 90s and the early 2000s, but the build tools and the -the off-the-shelf engines have made it ridiculously easy to target multiple consoles in the same generation without that much work. And that's because, for all intents and purposes, they are the same. So the hardware argument is rendered moot. Lost software. The TLDL, uh, too long didn't listen, of this section is, are you having fun playing that game? Then you be you. As just one person, and again, remember, my opinion doesn't count, I've recently had fun playing Super Mario 3D World, the raid mode in Resident Evil Revelations 2, Astral Chain, Crocs World, the Ace Attorney trilogy, Untitled Goose Game, and Detention. And that's just on my Nintendo Switch. I've also loved playing the Flappy Bird clone that I've thrown together, along with one of my own games called Runaway. Look for a link for that in the show notes. And you could argue that Flappy Bird is the epitome of a casual game. There are some fast-paced games in there. Astral Chain in Revelations 2. There are some slow burners in there too. Untitled Goose Game, Ace Attorney in Detention. And some stupidly fun platformers. Super Mario 3D World and Crocs World, for instance. Do these titles make me a real gamer? Again, listen for the bunny quotes. Who cares? As I said earlier, there's no real gamer because it's all opinion and gatekeeping. Do I have fun playing these games? You bet your belly button I do, and that's all that matters. When Squidge and I went to EGX, uh, this was in the before times, we met a lot of people across the gaming spectrum, from pros who are paid to review, speedrun, or be the best at a specific game, all the way to folks who haven't played games since their childhood. Are they real gamers? They're real people, and they like playing video games. Who cares what real gamers actually means, as long as they're having fun? It's not just gaming, though. As I mentioned earlier when I said, Have you ever been mid-conversation with someone about some new thing? I've seen this across fandom, technology, the music industry, and even into academia. Yes, there are even professors who have shown to be gatekeepers over their titles. I know from my own experience as a developer that I've seen this on an almost daily basis. It can be due to the technology of choice. You're not a real developer because you use .NET. A person's gender identity or race, which doesn't even make sense. Picking on them for that, that's just stupid. Where the person is from, or whether they were self-taught, attended a boot camp, or went to a university. When it comes to finding out whether someone is a real developer, I've been a paid developer for almost 15 years and I still don't know what real developer means. The technology of choice doesn't matter, and neither do any of the other things that I've just mentioned. Here's the only thing that matters. Can you develop some software, given the programming language and technology of your choice? If yes, then you're a developer. I don't know about the real part, but who cares about that, right? I've seen it in the music industry too. I have a friend who is a professional musician. This friend specialises in playing electronic instruments. Keyboards, synthesizers, samplers, drum machines, noise machines, etc. They have consistently been told that they aren't a real musician. Again, bunny quotes. 
because they don't play a guitar, own a recording studio, have a multi-million dollar record deal, have a top 10 hit, or many other nonsense things, most of which these gatekeepers don't have themselves. It's just gatekeeping, putting someone else down because they haven't achieved some arbitrary goal yet. My solution. Firstly, let's just accept that people do things differently to each other. In fact, let's lean into it. I often mentor junior developers, and one of the things I always tell them is to go out and figure out how other people do what you do. By looking at the different ways that folks do things, you can learn about the way that you do it, and maybe even adopt some of their practices into how you do it. In a gaming context, accept that other people play games that you don't, but ask whether you can join in. If it's not for you, then just accept that and accept the fact that they're having fun and go find some fun of your own. You never know until you try. You might actually like Flappy Bird or Call of Duty or FIFA or whatever. Secondly, compassion, compassion, compassion. I've said this in the past, again, to some of my mentees and on other shows, but compassion is the most important skill in life. Being able to appreciate where someone is and help them to get to where they are going will put you in good stead for achieving your goals. And being compassionate to other gamers is the antithesis of being a gatekeeper. Gatekeepers, by definition, lack compassion. And finally, celebrate. You're part of a community, regardless of what that community is. And that community is supportive. So make sure that you are supportive too. If someone has just discovered something new and wants to tell you all about it, then celebrate their enthusiasm and be there for them in that journey. In closing, here's the thing. Regardless of what it is, if you like something, you should never have to justify it or like it as much or as little as someone else. The late great Colonel Sherman T. Potter once said, If you ain't where you are, you're no place. And old Doc Potter is right. Go be yourself. And if yourself isn't real enough, did you hear the bunny quotes that time as well? For the people around you, then perhaps find some other people to be around. One more quote for you. I've no wish to keep it real, because keeping it real is such a bore. For the source for that quote, check the show notes. I don't care whether you're playing a deeply immersive game with 400 hours of story, a fast-paced button basher or first-person shooter, some kind of slow-burn real-time strategy game, or a round of some casual game, bunny quotes, just to pass the time. I only have one question for you. Are you having fun doing whatever it is? And if so, can I ever go? Intro music is Among the Stars by Muse Stage Productions. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GK. Spoiler break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleanser music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Decay. See the show notes for a link.